Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Well, I'm excited about today's message. It's a little different than normal. If you're trying to keep up with us in this one big story, last week, Ross was connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. It was a really great message. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's it's really significant for the journey that we're on. But today we're, we're going to look at the four gospels. And, and so this is I, 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 cursory at best. There's, there's, there's so much information about these four different books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that I'm not able to cover everything, but I want to get us started because the interesting thing about this, so the Gospels are accounts of the, the life of Jesus. It helps us to understand who the Son of God is, how he uh, works in our life, and, and the wonderful thing is that God wants so much for us to, to know his Son, to be in relationship with his Son, that he gave us these different uh, gospel accounts of, of the life of Jesus. And, and really, it's because God wants everyone. He wants everyone to know Jesus. And, and he knows that we're all unique. He knows that we think differently. We understand things differently. And so we get these different accounts that are different so that we can meet Jesus in that way. And so I'm excited for us. We're going we're gonna to talk through these things. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a really deep dive into the gospel stories. That's not what today is going to be about. So we're going we're gonna to focus on all four of them. I do encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open them up. You can take notes in your margins about the different reasons why the Gospels were written the, the way they were. It's okay, by the way, to write in your Bibles. If you're not used to that, it's okay. You won't, you're not going to get in trouble for it, I promise, unless it's someone else's Bible. Don't write in someone else's Bible. That's not nice. But um, anyway, we're, gonna, we're going to, to dive into these. You know, the, the other day, though, I was thinking about this. I was re-watching a favorite TV show of mine. It was interesting because this is a show that, that, that portrays a lot of really interesting characters and, and the, the difficult relationships that happen. There's this one particular relationship between a father and a son. And in the, in the story of this, the, the writers were, were creatively showing how difficult the relationship was between these two people. So uh, the father and son, they're talking about baseball. They're talking about their favorite team and, and and particular play that was going on and the fact that the team lost. And so in the dialogue that you can hear, you hear him saying, oh yeah, can you remember when, you know, so-and-so hit that ball and, you know, got out, whatever. But on the, on the, on the subtitles of the screen, you can see what they're actually saying to one another. So as, as, as the son says to the father, you know, can you believe that play? What you read is, I love you, dad. And then the father responds, yeah, I thought, I thought the manager's decision to do this was, was not a really good decision. And what, what on the subtitle, it says, I love you too, son. How are you doing? So there's this really interesting dialogue of subtext that's happening between these two people. And, and I thought it was brilliant because I've been in that situation where I've been having a conversation with someone and there's a whole other conversation that's going on that we both know about but neither of us are talking about. It's the, the importance of, of context, of knowing um, what's going on in a particular story. 
So when we look at the Gospels, that's ultimately what we, we start to see, is that there's, there's context. That means the, the, the stuff that's going on around what we read. There's co-text. There's, there's other books that inform what we're reading in the Gospels. And then there's subtext. There's also just a whole understanding of heritage and everything else that's going on. And so I'm going to talk about those today. And we're going to start in Matthew because it seems to be the most logical place to start in the New Testament as it being the first book. So we're going to, we're going to dive in there. Now, I, I love the way that, that Matthew is, is written. And it's, it's, it's got a very specific purpose for us as it connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. So, so Matthew... What we do is we, we discover the story of Jesus' life in this gospel that's deeply rooted in the Old Testament and the Jewish life. So ultimately, the author of Matthew, whose name is also Matthew, he wrote to a Jewish audience. He was connecting all of the Jewish things in the text as he's, he's um, writing it. It really is, this gospel really is a bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And this is especially important for us because it connects new Christians with with the heritage of the Jewish faith. So many of us are, are so far separated from that Jewish heritage that it's important for us to understand it. it it's, it's really a thing that's impossible to, to separate from one another. I remember, in fact, growing up, there were people who would talk to me in church, you know, as, as a young kid, they would make statements like, we don't need to worry about the Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant with Jesus' New Covenant. That's what's most important so we can do away with the Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing further from the truth. Matthew shows us how important the history of God's people is and how God was walking with them all the way, giving them these different things, providing for them food and water and the law and, and ways to connect with him. Matthew brings these up again and again. In fact, Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than any other, which brings this fullness to the gospel that's necessary for today's believers to be orthodox. Orthodox means that it's, it's in line with what God, what the scripture is. And I think one of the greatest threats to the church today is, is a movement away from orthodoxy. And I see this happening everywhere. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's much more obvious that Matthew shows how consistent the new covenant is with the old. How consistent Jesus is with the law. Without the gospel of Matthew, there's this facet of Jesus' life which we lose. And it can be easy if we were to lose it to, to create some kind of false motivation for Jesus, which we do see happening all the time. We see new narratives coming up or new, new things that are acceptable that are separate from what the gospel tells us. Matthew is a grounding gospel. It keeps us rooted. Matthew, like I said, was written by the disciple of the same name. He was a tax collector. He was a hated Jew among his peers. His, his narrative of Jesus illustrates the necessity of Jesus's followers to reach out to so-called sinners, to be people who are willing to, to embrace the outcast, to go beyond what's comfortable in order to share the story of Jesus with those people. One of the most interesting pieces of the gospel is Matthew's inclusion of the church. He uses the word church a few times in the gospel. That word is ecclesia. Matthew gives a charge to the church. 
It's a place where he says we should be resolving our conflict. Whenever we um, have a problem with one another, Matthew 18 says that we need to do resolve that conflict within the church. We need to do it among our peers and our Christian brothers and sisters rather than going outside of the church to resolve that conflict. He also charges Peter with the, saying that he will lead the church. That the, the church's priority is to fight against the gates of hell. One of my favorite scriptures in all of Matthew is in chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. Matthew says to us, uh, as Jesus is speaking, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew's gospel is the church's primary connection to its roots. It's grounding. It's authoritative. It gives us a full accounting of God's story. It really is masterfully written. And it's significant for us to read it and understand it. Now, if we move on to Mark, we notice that Mark is a decidedly different style of text. Now, I want to be clear as I say that. That doesn't mean that Mark is conflicting with Matthew or Luke or John. They're they're not at odds with one another. They're not not demonstrating that there's there's like, you know, false parts of the gospel. It's different, though. So so what Mark does, it's, it's... First of all, it's considered one of the first accounts of Jesus' life that was ever written. It's the source material we'll find for Matthew and Luke as well. Matthew and Luke, though, they polish up what Mark has written. They make it sound pretty and a little bit less forceful. Uh, because Mark is is really to the point. It's a very direct retelling of Jesus's life. It's a first person retelling of Jesus's life. It's raw. It's real. It's visceral. Mark is written so that we might see the relationships that Jesus had with the people directly with them. It's it's the nearest report of Jesus's interactions with uh, those around him. Mark shows the very human side of Jesus while reminding us again and again that Jesus is the son of God. Over and over, Mark tells about the emotional encounters that Jesus had. It shows how real he was as a human. He, he doesn't try to hide emotion, but instead he seems to highlight it. He elevates it. The, the picture of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is clear and precise. In Mark, we read about how Jesus was moved with compassion, that he sighed deeply in his spirit, that he marveled at things, and, and, and that he had righteous anger. It almost makes us feel like we're okay in our emotions because we see that Jesus had them. Notice how important it is for us. It shows that Jesus had deep love and and the very human feelings of hunger and exhaustion. Mark brings this passionate Jesus into clear vision for us. Mark is known as the essential gospel, essential because it informs Matthew and Luke, essential because it, it shares explicitly the humanity of Jesus. Essential because it moves with speed and intentionality, its immediacy, and, 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 and its, its present tense need for action. John begins with this truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and it ends with purpose. Then the Lord Jesus was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and the disciples went out and preached everywhere. So we need Mark. You see, Mark's different because it it stands opposed to the watered-down good advice that the religious world wants to offer us. 
The religious world might say it's good to just smile and be kind and to love all of the creatures that are around, to be positive and and to feel good about ourselves. But when we read Mark, what we understand is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that's far more radical and explosive. It's visceral, it's authentic, and, and it doesn't pander to evil in any way. This is the gospel of Jesus according to Mark. It's, a, it's an antidote to a distorted and weak gospel of a flimsy faith. This is the good news of Jesus who vividly suffered, who died upon the cross. It's the gospel of the men and women who went out after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, and preached boldly and radically and changed the world forever. It's forceful, it's fearless, and I bet you probably want to go home and read it today after that description. I know I do. It's, it, it is one of my favorite gospels. It's not fair to say Mark is one of my favorite gospels. I think I love them all. Anyway, let's move on to the gospel of Luke. Um, the gospel of Luke is, is more of a slow burn. It's very different than Mark. It's not as fast paced. It, it, it really takes a time to build. It's steady and gradual, but its purpose is wildly powerful. Luke differs from all of the gospels because the author was not Jewish. While Matthew was written for the Jewish audience to keep the church in orthodoxy, Mark was written from the first-person perspective of, of gritty realism that gives purpose to the reader. Luke blends those two things together with astonishing detail. This gospel, is, it's a creative blend of the type of reflection that we might have when we ask God, who am I? And also, God, what am I supposed to do? Luke helps us to answer those questions. It helps us to frame those. The Gospel of Luke, it it takes a movement. This is the movement of the followers of Jesus, also known as the Way. And and that movement was originally a Jewish movement. And and Luke helps graft in Gentiles like like you and I into this movement and and graft us in with purpose. The, The author of the Gospel, he was a doctor, which is quite fitting for the narrative of this Gospel. It's been said that a minister sees people at their best, right? I don't know many of you who like to cuss around me when we're in conversation. I know you do it. I've I've heard you say it when we're far away from each other, but when you get around me in conversation, you stop using those words, right? Minister sees people at their best. A lawyer sees people at their worst, but a doctor sees people as they are. And Luke, when he's writing this, he sees people as they are and he says, you are accepted, you are welcome, you should hear this, this message is for everyone. Key characteristic of Luke is how the author has taken the original Hebrew names for places and things and he's translated them into the Greek names for the reader. And he does this so that those people who are outside of the the Hebrew language or outside of the Jewish tradition can read this and understand it in a common way. It's all about inclusion for him. He wants more people to understand and embrace the way of life that comes from Jesus. Luke doesn't spend very much time uh, quoting the Old Testament. He's not focused on Jewish prophecy. Uh, in fact, there's a, there's a notable difference between the two genealogies that exist in the Gospels, uh, the genealogy of Matthew and the genealogy of Luke. Matthew, if you read through that genealogy, it connects Jesus with Abraham, who was the first person that had covenant with God. And, and, and that's a really important thing for the Jewish readers. Matthew wants everyone to know that Jesus is connected to Abraham. 
and ultimately to God. Luke, on the other hand, isn't focused on Jesus' connection to Abraham. He's focused on Jesus' connection to Adam, God's first human creation. What he's trying to say is Jesus is connected to all of us. We all can, can be connected to Jesus. So there's this, this difference here. And, and, and for someone who's not steeped in the Jewish tradition and faith, this kind of thing, it makes sense. This gospel, it's accessible, it's challenging, and, and it honors tradition, but it reminds the reader that tradition is meant to grow beyond just the chosen people, that this is something for everyone. In fact, Luke advocates for the outcast. He elevates women in his gospel. He stands for the poor. He approves of Gentiles. In his gospel, no one is left out, no one is shut out. The gospel of Luke and its companion piece, Acts, were both written by the same author. They're a true portrayal of the plan of God, that Jesus came to us so that we could be restored into relationship with him, but then that we might go out and expand his church, build his church, build this movement, share Jesus with everyone. The center of every part of Luke's gospel portrayal and God's plan is Jesus. Jesus is the one who reveals God's way. Jesus is the one who called the disciples. He sent the Holy Spirit for the disciples so they could go out and start the church. Jesus brings forgiveness. Jesus is the one who is Lord of all and everyone can follow Jesus. See, Luke saw in Jesus the sacrifice for all of the world. All of the barriers Luke wants to break down. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no sinner, there's no saint. Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. That's his purpose in this gospel. Now, if we move on to John, John's unlike any of the others. I'm sure you're, you're familiar somewhat with the gospels. There's obviously four. Three of them are known as the synoptic gospels. That means they take a chronological view. They're all very similar. Of course, we already talked about Mark being the source text and then Matthew and Luke taking that source text and expanding on it. But then we come to John. John is very different. It's, it doesn't have a chronological order to it. it. It has a very different purpose all together. The gospel was probably written later than the other three gospels. Uh, in fact, when John wrote it, there was a significant thing that was happening at the time. The, 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 the word of God, the gospel has, has started to spread throughout the Greek world. And then there are people all over who are followers of the way. There's, there's many people at this point, uh, when John wrote this, who have no connection to the Jewish heritage and were now followers of the way. And so John, instead of taking the approach that, that Matthew, Mark, or Luke took of this close eyewitness account, John steps back to talk less about the facts of Jesus' life and rather to talk about why the facts matter. What's the truth behind what Jesus did? What was he ultimately trying to accomplish? He wanted to tell everyone why those things matter. John's giving us this eagle eye account of Jesus. He's peering beyond the here and now, and he's considering the future. In John, we don't find an account of Jesus' birth. We don't find an account of Jesus' baptism. There's no temptation. There's no Last Supper. There's no Gethsemane. There's no ascension. He doesn't mention Jesus healing any of the people who are possessed by evil spirits, nor are there any parable teachings in the Gospel of John. What John talks about are these different episodes that are not mentioned in any of the other Gospels. What we learn about are the, the disciples. We, we get to know them a little bit better. There are finer details about some of the more common stories from John. Overall, this is a considerably different gospel, and here's why. 
See, John recognized that the problem that his gospel account, that this gospel account would be read by more people who were of of Greek descent, Greek thinkers. More Greek thinkers are going to read his account than Jewish thinkers. And so he chose to abandon his heritage and dive deeply into the Greek conceptions. The way a lot of the Greek people thought were, they were focused on two things. One was logos, uh, which is a word that means word. It also means reason. The way that we think, how we understand things, what is the process that determines why we do what we do? Logos is one thing. And the second thing is that we are a part of two worlds. There's a world that we're in and there's another world. And so John takes these two concepts and he highlights them in his gospel. From the very beginning, he starts this. John 1, 1 starts this way. He says, in the beginning was the word. By the way, the word is logos. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John is explaining to this Greek world the the reason for reason. This is, this is the Greek value of understanding that he's highlighting from the very beginning. And then he continues on. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Let me, let me say that in a different way. The reason, the logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John is saying, all of your lives you've been fascinated by this great guiding, controlling mind of God. Whether you knew it or not, the mind of God has then come to earth in this man Jesus, and his ways are the true ways, and the ways that you've been living without him are the shadow ways, and you can get rid of those things and follow Jesus, and you will live in eternity in the new world, the new kingdom, the right place. And then he says in John fourteen six. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if you want that new world, that new way of life, if you want that reason, that understanding, then you follow Jesus because Jesus holds all of it. Jesus goes on to say, if you, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. John spent a lifetime thinking about his time with Jesus. And he allowed that time for the Holy Spirit to speak into that experience. And what we're left with is a gospel that's designed to share the very truth of Jesus in its most accessible form. Now, we all think differently. We understand things differently. You and I are different in that. We, we seek knowledge and information in different ways. We are all very different. And God knew this. And so he wrote these gospels for us so that we could understand Jesus in the way that would make the most sense for us. That's the purpose of this. There's something for us in each of these gospels. And, and I, I, as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to, to be reading each of these gospels. We're going to take a, a deep dive into to the, the gospels, like a really deep dive over the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you to, to go back and read all of Matthew and read all of Mark and read all of Luke and John and, and note the differences. Pay attention to, to the fact that they're there and, and maybe ask the question, why? Why is this different than that one? 
What does this have for me? How can I understand more about Jesus by reading this gospel? See, God wants us to know his son so very well that he becomes embedded into our hearts. Not our minds, but into our hearts. That the very essence of Jesus, that we understand it so well, that we begin to speak and we begin to live the way that Jesus lived. We have these multiple gospels so that we can see Jesus in many different ways. But he doesn't want us to keep it. He doesn't want it to just become part of us and that's it. What he wants us to do is to then go, therefore, and make disciples of nations to be just like Jesus. To go and share that truth. But he's saying, look, you don't have to share it in one way. Even I shared it in multiple ways. So you can go tell that story to your friend, to your coworker, to your neighbor, to your family member in the way that makes the most sense to them. When we have the story of Jesus deeply embedded in us. And one of the things I love about the Gospels is that whenever I read more about Jesus, I'm drawn to him even more. When I see his love, I want to be loved like him. When I see his compassion, I want to be compassionate like him. When I see his care, I want to be caring like him. And so when you read these things and and they become a part of who you are, deeply embedded, I encourage you to let them then be lived out in your life. Share him. Share him with all the people around you. I, I have shared this story in the past, but I, I think it's a, a compelling story for this moment. This is an interview that um, happened some time back with Pendulette. And, and Pendulette, you probably know, um, he's a, a well-known magician of the Penn and Teller show, and, but he's also an outspoken atheist. He's, he's very vocal about what he believes and why he believes what he believes, and or lack of belief, really. But there was this moment that one of his fans gave him a pocket New Testament. And most people would think that would be an, inf- an offensive thing to do to, to Penn Jillette because he's an atheist. So here, read this pocket New Testament. But in an interview, Penn said this. He says, actually, I wasn't bothered by, fact, by that. In fact, I don't respect people who don't proselytize, who don't share their faith. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell for not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it might make the moment socially awkward, how much do you have to hate someone to not share your faith? How much do you have to hate someone to believe in everlasting life is possible but not tell the people that you care about that? And I would, I, I think his words are wrong. We're not just trying to get out of hell. That's not what this is about. This is really about having a relationship with the creator of the earth, the creator of everything, having a relationship with someone who loves us more than anyone we've ever experienced love us. It's, it's about having a relationship with Jesus. But the great news is that when we get into relationship with Jesus, when we, when we get to know who he is, we also then can experience eternal life forever. Gillette, he then goes on and he says this example to illustrate his point. If I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck is coming at you and you didn't believe that, that that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point that I would tackle you and this is more important than that. Dear Christian, we have been given a gospel message written to us in multiple different ways, a message that matters. Let us go. 
and share that message. That message that is a part of who we are as followers of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I want to pray for you in that endeavor. You stand with me. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that that you created us first to begin with, but you know us so well that you won't limit your word to be spoken only one way, but that you'll you'll allow it to be said in, in a multitude of different ways so that each of us can understand it, so that we can all hear it in a way that makes sense to us. Lord, I pray that as we dig into each of your gospel stories over these next few weeks, that they would be deeply embedded in our hearts. That they would transform us into your likeness. That they would become a part of us so that we can then share that gospel that good news, your son, with the people that matter to us here on this earth. Lord, help us to be learners. Allow us to be transformed. And let us be proclaimers of your good news. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you to click the link below uh, and worship along with us. Thank you. I'm going to close this with a, um, with a prayer, a benediction over you, that as you go, that you might be bold in this, that you might grow in your understanding of Jesus, and that you might share freely the truth um, that, of who he is to those around you. So I say this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So church, go in peace. Be a blessing and be blessed. Thank you so much for joining with us. We'll see you next week. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org slash give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.